Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. On an autumn evening in Dublin, the O'Cleary family are sitting down to their evening tea at the Four Masters bookshop. Books line the walls of the shop and are tucked into every corner of the O'Cleary's home above the Four Masters. At the table, most of the family members, Mr. O'Cleary, Mrs. O'Cleary, and Patrick, their son, sit absorbed in their books, which are propped up against milk bottles and sundries from the table, as they absently sip strong tea and nibble toast. All the O'Clearys are absorbed in their reading, except nine-year-old Bridgie, who is busy feeding kippers to the cat Mog. It is Bridgie who spies a forlorn boy peering at an old copy of Gulliver's Travels through the bookshop window. And so opens the delightful book, The Bookshop on the Key, by the Irish children's writer, Patricia Lynch. There is much to be said about finding a book at just the right time. In the last days of autumn, with all its glory, I found The Bookshop on the Key. Actually, it found me through a book recommendation via social media and then time spent tracking down a secondhand copy. But regardless of the circumstances surrounding its discovery, I read it at the perfect time. With its own autumnal accents, I could think of no better book in which to end the season and usher in Christmas time. Written in the 1950s, this forgotten little classic, it is out of print and difficult to find secondhand copies, evokes the warmth of family life in Dublin of the era. The O'Clearys live in a cozy home above the bookshop. Mr. and Mrs. O'Cleary are kind and loving and hospitable. Patrick and Bridgie are too. And while Patricia Lynch creates two memorable characters who are blessedly imperfect, as children should be, they are remarkably devoid of selfishness and brattiness. It is a family that anyone would be proud to belong to. The O'Clearys' home is unassuming but comfortable. Mr. O'Cleary earns a modest living from the bookshop, and with his meager income, the family are able to employ the widow Flanagan to do their cooking and housekeeping. The majority of the O'Clearys' world is made up of books, which sounds delightful to me. Mr. and Mrs. O'Cleary are both delightfully eccentric. Mrs. O'Cleary spends her working hours reading and knitting. Mr. O'Cleary, too, is often found with his nose in a well-worn book. He would rather read and acquire more books than do the actual work of a bookseller. In spite of his mounting debt from the local shopkeepers, he finds it difficult to part with any of the books in the shop. At one point in the story, Mr. O'Cleary says, I hate parting with books, real books. If they were new, I wouldn't mind. One new book is like all of its comrades, but an old book has a history, apart from what's in it. It's such a lovely sentiment that I can hardly fault him for his negligence. But as lovely a thought as this is, one cannot pay one's rent or the grocer with books. Money is needed in this world after all. And the O'Clearys are in need of a shop boy who will actually sell the books which line the walls of the shop. And so it is especially fortuitous and serendipitous that Shane Madden, the forlorn boy at the window, happens across the Four Masters bookshop on that autumn evening. Shane from the rural Irish countryside 
is in Dublin searching for his itinerant Uncle Tim, a drover with a propensity for wandering off for months at a time. Until recently, Shane and his uncle lived with his Aunt Maureen, his Uncle Tim's sister, her husband Joseph, a humorless and strict man, and their children. But after his Uncle Tim leaves on a droving job, Aunt Maureen's home is less palatable for young Shane, and he sets out on an adventure to find his uncle. And it just so happens that it is one of his cousin's accidental destruction of his copy of Gulliver's Travels, a present from his Uncle Tim, that is the catalyst for Shane's travels to Dublin. Shane's backstory introduces us to the Irish countryside, a marked difference from the city and the cozy home of the bookshop. To the book's credit, it is able to make city life more appealing than the countryside, which is a difficult feat. But perhaps the setting of the bookshop has some contribution to this. Shane's family life, too, is in stark contrast to the O'Cleary's family. Shane loves his cousins and his Aunt Marine, but his Uncle Joseph's house is not a home to the boy. And while his Uncle Joseph is not cruel or abusive, his coldness keeps the house from joy and warmth. Patricia Lynch writes her story with such precision and heart that her reader can see plainly without being talked down to not only the importance of a child's physical needs being met and cared for, but also their emotional needs as well. Shane's physical needs are met at his Uncle Joseph and Aunt Maureen's house, but there is a lack in his emotional needs being met after his Uncle Tim leaves. Shane misses his Uncle Tim terribly, the only true family he has ever known after his own parents' death. When he comes to the city, alone and searching for his lost uncle, the O'Clearys, in their customary way, welcome Shane Madden into their family. And after a brief misunderstanding on their first meeting is resolved, they invite him into the bookshop for tea. I'll read a short passage from the moment Shane enters their home. The boy could see the comfortable room behind the shop. He looked at the friendly, anxious faces around him, and smiling down at Bridgie's thin face, with its big, intent blue eyes, he nodded. I'll be very thankful, ma'am, he said. No one's expecting me. The kettle's on the boil, called the widow Flanagan over her shoulder as she went off, and there's the bit of cold bacon. A meal of warm tea and toast and bacon is ambrosia to a hungry boy, and soon Shane shares his story with the sympathetic O'Clearys. Earlier I said that this was the perfect book to read during this season, and it isn't only because of the autumnal setting of the book. It is the book's reminder to hospitality that I found especially fitting during the season. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares, says the writer of Hebrews. After finishing the bookshop on the quay, I could not help thinking of this verse in summation. And while Shane Madden is certainly no angel, far from it actually, he is very much an adolescent boy and more than a little rough around the edges. It was the hospitality of the O'Cleary's family that stayed with me, perhaps because it reminded me of my own family. During the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, all through the year really, but especially during this season, my parents, also with their own delightful quirks and eccentricities, took this verse to heart and modeled it for their own children. I have many fond memories of holidays with extra chairs huddled around our dining room table for friends in need of family. It was never out of charity, but out of welcome and love, because that is the language of my parents. Similarly, the O'Clearys welcome Shane into their home, and he is a stranger to them for only as long as it takes him to cross the threshold and sit down for a meal with the family. Much as my parents did with the friends of their many children over the years, the O'Clearys bring another chair to the table to include Shane and provide him with a job 
at the bookstore as their shop boy. Shane is a natural as the shop boy, with a keen eye for detail and the ability to organize the ramshackle nature of the bookshop, and it isn't long before he is right at home with the O'Clearys. There is the most perfect description of belonging in this part of the book. It comes after Shane's first day of work. It is beautiful in its simplicity, and I thought I'd share it with you. When the customers were gone, Shane put the money he had taken in the drawer of the desk in the corner behind a rampart of huge books and stood looking into the big room. Mrs. Flanagan's chair was drawn up to the fire. The O'Clearys sat around the table, bending over their tasks. He smiled as he watched them. He could go in and be welcomed. They'd want to know what had happened. Bridgie looked up. Here, Shane, come back home, she cried. Then he stepped through the doorway. With Shane's help, Mr. and Mrs. O'Cleary are able to make a small profit at the shop. Until the moment when. But I shouldn't spoil what happens next. I'll leave it for you to discover for yourself. But apart from the fate of the Four Masters bookshop, there is still the fate of Uncle Tim to find out. Will Shane ever find him in Dublin? And if he does, what will become of Shane's life with the O'Clearys? Only think what still awaits for you to discover in the bookshop on the quay. Rarely do I find so much truth in such a little book. At 173 pages, it packs more than many books triple its length. It has given me much to ponder after finishing it, but most of all, I'm considering its call to hospitality. This book has reminded me of the ordinary holy calling of entertaining strangers. The Bookshop on the Key is the definition of a comfort read. Much like the O'Cleary's home, it is an unassuming little book. But it is filled with joy and hope and endearing characters and much more besides this, too. I wish the Bookshop on the Key was still in print or that secondhand copies were easier to come by. I'm sorry for the teaser if you can't track down your own copy. If I could, I would give a copy to all the listeners, but if you are fortunate enough to track down a copy, I would encourage you to read it if you are in need of a comforting book. Read it if you are in want of a seasonal book, but no, it is also one for any season. Read it for a peek into Ireland in the 1950s, and if you could do with a bit of armchair travel. Read it to remember the necessity of hospitality in a hurting world. And may we be gracious givers and receivers of hospitality in our own lives as a result. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. At least that's the plan. I'm sorry for the unintended break between episodes. I was out of town for a wedding before Thanksgiving and underestimated the time I'd have to work on the podcast. But join me on December 14th when I'll be talking about Rumor Garden's 1958 Christmas classic, The Story of Holly and Ivy. I can't wait to share more about the sweet children's story. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's episode and the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or a review? Or telling a friend about the podcast? It's a small way to share the show with more people. I hope you have a lovely rest of the week and that you're able to find a copy of The Bookshop on the Key. Until next time.